Well, it's good to be here this morning. As uh, Jeff told you, I'm new on the staff here at, at Mount Horeb, and it has been an exciting trip for me to see all the wonderful things going on here at this church. Uh, I know that the children are looking forward to Vacation Bible School, VBS. I remember when I was growing up, I was about six years old, and uh, my, my brother told me uh, that I needed to go to Vacation Bible School, or needed to go to VBS. I said, why is that? He said, don't you know what VBS stands for? It stands for Very Big Surprise. So uh, the very big surprise we're looking for this morning is 400 more volunteers. <laughs> so put that, uh, put that on your prayer list and see if God isn't leading you in that direction. Well, Level Up is the title of our current sermon series here at Mount Horeb, and it's based on a passage in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. There are seven sermons in this series. This is the middle one, the fourth one. It's on perseverance. And um, uh, if you have a Bible available to you, you'll find Second Peter near the end of the New Testament, uh, just before Revelation, a few books before Revelation. So let us hear now the word of God from his servant, Simon Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us the very, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to our hearing of it. So the seven qualities which we are to add to our faith are goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. In week one, three Sundays ago, Nick Cunningham uh, told you how they came up with the title Level Up uh, for this series. It's based on, he said, uh, the history of video gaming. And, and uh, everybody seems to be involved in video games. Now, I'm not much of a video game virtuoso. I do play some games on my iPhone. Uh, my favorite one is called Words with Friends. Are you familiar with that? It's Scrabble. Um, it's not really considered a video game <laughs> because uh, there are no levels to it. You just, you just play your opponents, and it depends on what kind of letters you get dealt. You try to make words out of them, and the words count points. And you add up the points at the end. Now, I think I'm pretty good with words at friends. I have a good record against most of my opponents. But, but my primary opponent right now is a, an old friend of mine. She is 
uh, an elementary school teacher, an English teacher, not elementary school, middle school in Fort Mill. And uh, she regularly beats me pretty bad. I can beat her if, if she gets dealt all consonants or all vowels or all X's and Y's and Z's, but she's beat me the last three times and she's well on the way to trouncing me again. Uh, but I'm not going to end our competition because, well, that's, uh, that's the level up part. You know, you, there's no level up in the game, but there's a level up in the opponents that you face as you go along. Uh, but I'm not going to end our competition because of stubborn pride. It would be an admission that she's smarter than I am, which, which, which she is. <clears throat> but, uh, but I don't want to admit it. And she's not going to end it with me either because she doesn't want to hurt my feelings. And also because she really enjoys winning. You know. but, but back to Nick and, and the series. Nick told us how video games evolved and how video game developers learned that players were attracted to games that had increasing levels of difficulty and challenge. If the challenge uh, is, not, is too easy, people get bored <clears throat> with the game. Now, there are no levels, <clears throat> towards a friend, as I said, but but you face better opponents, and that's sort of the level. So, but Nick says that the challenge, that it's the challenge of the followers of Jesus to keep growing, keep improving, keep reaching for the next level of discipleship. Followers of Jesus Christ need to practice each of these qualities and grow in each one of them uh, to strive for the next level up in goodness, the next level up in knowledge, the next level up in self-control, and so on. Now, the quality that Nick addressed was goodness. Through faith in Jesus, we practice <clears throat> the simple Christian virtue of being good, of engaging in good action, speaking a good word. And day by day, year by year, we attain higher and higher levels of, of goodness through our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in week two of this series, Reverend Jeff Kersey told us about how followers of Jesus Christ must grow in knowledge. To our faith, we need to add knowledge so that our faith becomes more concrete. And he told us that the Bible is our map to the next level of our knowledge of the faith. And he uses an example, the story of Jesus when he was just 12 years old, and they'd gone to Jerusalem for a festival. And uh, when they headed back home to Nazareth, Mary and Joseph discovered that Jesus wasn't in their entourage. So they had to go back to, G to G Jerusalem, and they searched for three days before they found him in the temple, uh, debating with and listening to all of the elders in the temple. And Jeff told us that Jesus was intentional about learning the scriptures. He memorized scripture. He, he studied it faithfully. We know that because when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, he quoted scripture. Do you remember? He quoted scripture when the Pharisees challenged him about healing on the Sabbath. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the, the temple police came to arrest him, he quoted scripture. When he was hanging on the cross outside the city walls of Jerusalem, he quoted scripture. He knew the scripture. Now, Jeff reminded us that John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement in England in the 18th century, <clears throat> told us that 
we need to strive to be sanctified, that is to be made holy through our, our growth in the faith, holy in thought and word and deed, uh, to be perfected in love. Wesley called it going on to perfection, and that should be our goal. That should be our goal. Uh, in the church, it begins early on with vacation Bible school. You have an opportunity to sign up to, to, to help out with that. I've, I've been impressed with all these, these young kids planning this program. Well, I, I shouldn't call them kids. They're in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Well, well, kids. Um, but we need to grow in knowledge, to read God's word, to pray, to medicate, to learn from others. To grow in knowledge is how we become sanctified, set apart for God's sacred purpose for our lives. We need to strive to reach the next level up in our knowledge of the scriptures and the things of God. And then last Sunday, Pastor Faith Stevens spoke to us about self-control. And she used the example from the book of Genesis of Esau and his brother Jacob and their father Isaac. Esau was the firstborn. And in their culture, the firstborn was entitled to receive two-thirds of the estate when their father died. Now, Isaac was a very wealthy man. So Esau was in pretty good stead for his future. But Esau was hungry one day, and he smelled the soup, the bowl, the, the porridge that Jacob was cooking, and he said, please give me a bowl of your, of your soup. And Jacob said, what are you willing to pay for it? And Esau said, what do you want? Jacob said, how about your birthright? And Esau, because he was hungry, said, sure, why not? He put his belly before his brain. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I do that sometimes. Like breakfast, lunch, <laughs> supper, bedtime. Uh, Faye told us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to practice self-control over appetite. Practice self-control over, over your management of your time. Practice self-control over what you watch on television, what you watch at the movies, what you watch on the Internet, for heaven's sake. Self-control is an aspect of our faith that we need to grow in. Practice it uh, where you wind up on Sunday morning. God bless you for being here. I love the old saying, a saint is a sinner who keeps falling down and getting up again, falling down and getting up again, falling down and getting up again, all the way to heaven. So let me tell you a story. In the late 1700s, there was a Portuguese sailing ship that was stranded off the coast of Brazil. Uh, this ship was called the Santa Cruz. And it was on a, a, a commercial mission. The, the Portuguese traded with their colonies in South America. And the Santa Cruz was off the coast of Brazil in the Atlantic Ocean when, when they came up upon a dead calm in the sea. Uh, the wind didn't blow. There were no waves, no current to move them along. They were just stuck, just stuck fast right in the middle of the ocean. Now, this was not all that uncommon. Sailing vessels were always sub, uh, subject to uh, whatever conditions prevailed at sea. But this went on for a whole week, and then eight days, and then nine days. 
Uh, early on, a few days into this, this dead calm that they were in, the, the captain started imposing rations for their food and especially the drinking water because you can't drink seawater. It'll make you sick and even kill you. So they rationed their drinking water, their supplies. They tried to catch what dew they could that might fall overnight. They diligently kept an, uh, an eye up in the crow's nest to, to look for another ship to come by somewhere out to sea uh, beyond them. And so they waited and waited and waited. Uh, there is an old poem called the, the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. If you are an English teacher or, or English literature teacher, you know about Samuel Taylor Coleridge and this, this poem uh, where he talks about a similar situation. Uh, in his case, it was caused by one of the sailors killing an albatross uh, with his, his crossbow, but, in, but they were stranded in a calm sea. And this is how he puts it. Down dropped the breeze. The sails dropped down. For sad as sad could be, and we did speak only to break the silence of the sea. Day after day, day after day, we stuck, no breath, no motion, as idle as a painted ship upon a painted ocean. Water, water everywhere, and all the boards did shrink. Water, water everywhere, nor any drop to drink. So there they sat, waiting, praying for a breeze to rise, for their sails to billow. Now, the Bible is full of examples of faith bolstered by perseverance. I like this story in the Old Testament of the prophet Elijah, a prophet in the northern kingdom of Israel. This was after uh, the time of David and Solomon when they, uh, with the, the kingdom split in the north and south. The southern kingdom was called Judah, the northern kingdom called Israel. Elijah was a prophet in Israel during the reign of the wicked king Ahab and the even more wicked queen Jezebel. Jezebel and Ahab worshipped the Canaanite god Baal. Elijah had the nerve to tell Ahab to gather the priests of Baal on the top of Mount Carmel, and he would, he would enter into a contest with them to see which God was really the true God. So they gathered on Mount Carmel, and they set up two altars and, and covered them with a fresh supply of wood. And Ezekiel said to the, to the priests of Baal, he said, this is our contest. You go ahead and pray to your God and ask your God to rain down fire to start the fire on your altar so you can offer your God your sacrifice. And then I'll do the same thing with my God and we'll see which God responds to us. Well, the priests of Baal, they marched, they sang, they danced, they screamed, they cut themselves as was their custom and nothing happened, of course, no fire. And then Elijah said, pour water on my altar. And they did. He said, do it again. And they did. He said, do it a third time. And they doused it in water. And then Elijah, Elijah prayed a very simple, brief prayer, asking God to provide the fire. And as he finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven. I imagine some kind of lightning event. And it caught the wood on fire on his altar, and he was able to offer a sacrifice to the one true God. And he said to others standing around, he said, capture those priests of Baal. They obviously worship and lead people to worship a false god. 
And they captured all the priests of Baal and, and put them to death. <clears throat> Jezebel was not happy. She was not happy at all. And so she wanted to do away with Elijah. So pick up, we pick up the story of 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how, the, how he had killed the prophets of Baal with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. He really did not want to mess with Jezebel. So Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in, in uh, Judah, he left his servant there, and he himself went on for a whole day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, he said. I've had enough. He had persevered all he could. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around. And there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, Elijah is about to learn a lesson about perseverance. He thought he had persevered long enough when he got that note from Jezebel and he was ready to give it up. But in faith, there is no such thing as persevering long enough. There is only persevering. He had traveled on foot all the way from Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb in the Sinai Desert, 400 miles on foot. Uh, Horeb is an alternate name in the Old Testament for Mount Sinai. It is, it is the mountain on which God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the, the rules for how the people of God are to live. Now, and I have to wonder if Elijah consciously or un unconsciously went to that very place on planet Earth where God handed down the basic outline of how God wants God's people to act and live in this world. In any case, it seems that Elijah has given up. So we continue the story where we left off in verse 9. It's uh, a little longer than I wish it was, but it's, it's, it's funny, or at least it is to me. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And then a great and powerful, and, th and then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, 
But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And then Elijah, when he heard it, he pulled the cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, again, what are you doing here, <laughs> Elijah? He's just seen a powerful display of the might of Almighty God. And you know what his answer is? Exactly the same. Hadn't changed a word. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Oh, poor, poor Elijah. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. And then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Avel-Neholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and all whose mouths have not kissed him. God tells Elijah, first of all, that he is not the only one left in Israel. There are 7,000 others. Elijah, you're not alone. God is saying, so suck it up, buddy. There's still a few more things I need for you to do for me. And all of them are really bad news for Elijah. We don't persevere in the faith so that God will reward us with a nice, easy, cushy life. We persevere in the faith so that God can trust us with what God needs done in the world around us. So Elijah learned that he had to go back to Israel and anoint Jehu to be the king. That is an act of treason against his king Ahab. Do you understand that? God is telling Elijah that he's going to have to put his life on the line. Not only that, God tells Elijah that he must anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Aram is the, the country right above Israel. It's, later in, in history, it becomes Syria. They're enemies of Israel. God is telling Elijah to commit an act of treason against his own country by anointing the next king of Aram. In other words, we are called to persevere in the faith, not as a way of ensuring that God will protect us from having bad things happen to us, but so that we'll have the courage to do what has to be done for the cause of Christ in this world and in our own field of, of, of influence and activity, regardless of what might happen to us. Our true reward for persevering in the faith comes after this life is done. Don't you see? Now, nobody personifies that statement more than three young men in the book of uh, Daniel. We don't know their Israelite names. Everybody's forgotten that, although they are, you see their names early in the book. 
But King Nebuchadnezzar had told the chief of his staff to go and recruit uh, some, some young men from among the Israelites who had been deported from Jerusalem to Babylon and trained them in, in Babylonian ways so that they can become servants in the king's court. And so these three young men whose Persian names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are trained by this servant of the king. Now, while they're being trained, the king has uh, had some of his... Um, artisans make this 90 foot tall statue of himself out of pure gold stood it up in the city square and they had a law passed that said every time these instruments are playing hail to the chief everybody has to bow down towards that statue of the king now it wasn't really hail to the chief it was whatever the babylonian equivalent of that was and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't go along with that plan, though. And they were arrested, brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Look, fellas, when you hear the music played, you have to bow down. If you don't, you'll be thrown into the blazing, fiery furnace, and then what God will be able to rescue you? And we pick up the story of Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not... We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And you know the story about what happened. The furnace of fire didn't harm them a bit, but they were willing to keep to their faith even if they were to die. Now, God doesn't ask everyone to make such a sacrifice, to be asked by God to do those kinds of things that Elijah was asked to do or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is, is a, an honor the vast majority of us will never have to face, to suffer punishment at the hands of powerful people who do not worship the God who sent his only son to die for us is something we may never be asked to do. But if we persevere in our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be prepared for whatever befalls us in this life. And we will be blessed beyond anything we can imagine. Level up, friends. Step up your level of perseverance in the faith. Persevere in goodness. Persevere in knowledge. Persevere in self-control. Persevere in godliness. Persevere in love. Persevere in prayer. Persevere in, in learning the scriptures. Persevere in loving people nobody wants to love. Persevere. So, the sailors on board the Santa Cruz persevered day after day. As their supplies dwindled, as their drinking water disappeared, as their hope failed. On the 11th day of their ordeal, when the drinking water was all gone, 
there was a cry from the crow's nest. A ship! On the horizon, a ship! The captain took his spyglass and looked out to see out to the east. And after he had observed for a moment, he said, It's Portuguese! And a great cheer went up from all the sailors on deck. A Portuguese ship! And so they, they hastened to run up the flags to send the other ship the message, We have no water! Can you help? And they waited without breathing while the captain studied the flags. The other ship was running up, and he said, They say... And he paused, and they said, well, what, 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 what are they saying? And the captain read the message. They say, let down your buckets, six fathoms. The men screamed in anger. How can they, how can they be so cruel? How can they leave us here with no drinking water? They're going to let us die. They're making fun of us. But one of the sailors said, well, what have we got to lose? He grabbed a bucket, tied a rope to it, threw it over the side, let it sink down one fathom, two, three, four, five, six fathoms down. Slowly he pulled it back up, hand over hand, and when he got it over uh, the rail on the edge of the ship and splashed some of it out on the deck, he knelt down, dipped his hand in it, and put it to his mouth. And then he did it again. And he said, unbelievably, it's fresh water. It's fresh water. And the men dove in the bucket and spilled most of it, drank some of it, gathered other buckets, threw them over the side, lowered them down 36 feet below the surface, pulled them back up, and replenished their drinking supply. The captain wrote in his log that night, God gave us a miracle. Well, was it a miracle? Uh, you can call it that, but what I like to call it is serendipity with a capital G. It's a miracle that it had been there since creation. You see, they were, they were stranded in a still sea five, six miles off the coast of Brazil, directly out from the mouth of the Amazon, which every day pours millions of gallons of fresh water into the Atlantic Ocean. Now, fresh water is heavier than salt water. And so the water from the Amazon has a stream going out under the surface of the ocean. It goes out nearly 18 or 20 miles before it's completely absorbed into the Atlantic. So where they were, 36 feet down, was an abundant supply of the fresh water coming out of the river's mouth. Some of you are going through tough times. All of you will. Illness, loneliness, struggling to find your way in the world, grieving the loss of a loved one, a friend, a job, perhaps. I want you to consider that all the hardships we experience in this life are opportunities to persevere in faith in Jesus Christ. 